Hey, y'all, you're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your hosts, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Hey, y'all, welcome to a very special episode of Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. Just as everyone else in the world, we were shocked and saddened by the passing of the remarkably talented Chadwick Boseman. I'm even hesitant to refer to him as just an actor because he was much more and an all-around phenomenal man, a beautiful Black man. We want to use the show, this episode specifically, to honor him and pay tribute to his legacy from film. So on our Instagram page, we had what was affectionately referred to as the Bozeman Bracket. It was basically a playoff bracket of some of his most popular films. We felt it was important to give our listeners a voice in which film we diagnosed because we as a community are impacted by this loss. And we wanted to include our little community in how we chose to big up Chadwick. And our listeners spoke loud and clear in choosing <laughs> the mm-hmm. film that they wanted from the Bozeman bracket. All right, so the winner, I guess, of um, that challenge. <laughs> that was so beautiful. <laughs> I love how you rolled. <laughs> <laughs> the movie they chose was Black Panther. Uh, yes. So one of our listeners said that it wasn't fair. He <laughs> says, you do realize that Black <laughs> Panther is like the Lakers in this year's playoffs, right? We know who's going to win. We know it's going to win. <laughs> right, right. Rosie, did you think that it was going to be Black Panther the whole time? I, yeah, I didn't even know why you wanted to do this bracket. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to let her bracket. Let, her, let, let us get the part, uh, our listeners involved and cool, fine. And then when I saw what we was up against, I was like, it's Black Panther all day. I thought the other films like might have a chance because of the nature of our show. So I thought people might take that into consideration more. And right. then like, well, you know, but no, um, it was overwhelming majority. <laughs> you know, I, when I was following it, um, I was starting to get excited to see Get On Up and um, 42. Yeah. Kind of neck and neck. Um, but I was worried about having to do those movies because it felt like I would be diagnosing you know, um, oh my gosh. Why James Brown. James Brown and Jackie, um, Robinson. Jackie Robinson. I'm just terrible with names. That's why I'm here for the alley <laughs> I was <laughs> be like, boom, I there for it. So yeah, so um, I felt like I would have had to, to diagnose them, which to me, I guess, wouldn't be fair um, because we're, we're looking more at the character. So Although we've done it with The Temptations. Well, the temptations is a whole nother story. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But also, too, I think that that speaks to Chadwick's ability to embody each and every single character that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, like, his passing, uh, it hurt. Like, it hurt, yeah. hurt. And it kind of brought up, it made me feel a lot of other feelings that I just hadn't had time to think about. And like, so once, once we heard about his passing, I kind of was like, huh, well, first motherfuck cancer. Um, I feel like Kevin Hart's uncle, uh, Richard Jr. Mm-hmm. You tell cancer, I'm looking for him. And when I, I find know. him, I'm gonna shoot him in the face <laughs> <laughs> twice. That's how I feel about cancer right now. But, um, other aside from that, just yeah, 2020 has been hard. It's been hard yeah. and it's been taking a lot of people from us um, in all different ways with COVID and 
and just the the losses that we've gone through this year, like it it kind of brought all of those feelings to the forefront for me once I really just started sitting with and processing like the loss of a such a figure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it hurt. Um, I can actually remember what I was doing. I I was, you know, chilling with some friends and we were having some drinks. And I think there was already something going on that really was set. Well, obviously there was all of 2020 that was going on that we were talking about. And we were kind of in a, a, a I wouldn't say a dark place, but we were talking about some things that were um, dark places for, for Black people as far as like where we are with um, so many shootings of, of Black um, bodies by police officers. We were talking about that. And then it was like breaking news. And little by little, we each looked at our phone and realized like he's gone. And it, and and there was a part of me that was like, no way. Right. No. Seriously? No, let me fact check this for mm-hmm, quick. Mm-hmm. And everywhere, it was popping up everywhere. So, and then it was like, we really was all like sad. Yes. You know, um, I was talking to my brother about it um, recently. And he said that, the problem, though, with people mourning uh, Chadwick's death, it's almost as if they correlate it with Black Panther. And so they're saying, rest in peace, Black Panther. But it's almost like you're taking away the, the man, the human, the real person. And you're just attributing it to, oh, I'm sorry, this character is gone now. So I had I had mixed emotions after a while, like seeing how many people are the outpour of people saying rest in peace, Black Panther, because it's like Black Panther is a character like that's a comic book character that can be replaced, replaced and replaced. But we can't replace Chadwick, you know, and right. Yeah. And I hope that it was it was less that and more just as a culture, we were mourning in like that's how impactful that he was to those people. That yes, Absolutely. he was Chadwick Boseman, but he was also mm-hmm. Black Panther and everything that that represented for us. Um, right. I I always try to, if the people were Black who said it, I always try to look at the, the Black people and our resiliency and, and um, the importance of culture for us. And so I'm hoping that that is more of a... The, him and what he represented for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I will be very upset if Disney does replace, matter of fact, we'll save that for prognosis because I have a whole, I have lots of thoughts that I want to run through with you when we okay. get to how um, the saga of Black Panther will continue. But okay. um, most importantly, we just wanted to, for this episode, highlight the legacy of how Chadwick Boseman will continue. Aside from Black Panther, um, even though our listeners basically was like, <laughs> those other movies, you're right, ma'am. Do right. Black Panther. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> which those other movies are amazing. And I do want to do uh, several, if not all of them at some other time because they are great films. Um, we just wanted to collectively heal. This is our little bit of culture counseling by... Um, by doing an episode. So shout shout out to the life, the legacy, salute rather, to the life, the legacy of Chadwick Boseman. Um, brother, I hope your transition was peaceful. Yeah, it was, it was, I thought I would be a lot more emotional. At the beginning, I was emotional. Um, especially when he was doing his first challenge. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, I felt myself tearing up a little bit. Um 
but it was just so nice to see his face on 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 the screen. So, yes. you know, I, I kind of got that pride again, that same pride that I had when I first watched it. That pride came back and I got my chills, my mm-hmm. tears kind of dried up and I just felt proud all over again. So what was it for you? What was it like for you watching it again? Uh, I had lots of moments. And so mm-hmm. a plethora of emotions. I feel like I see more. I appreciate more right. uh, mm-hmm. this movie each time I watch it. Um because the, fir- the very first time I watched it, don't tell anyone, but I went to the movies twice to see this. Uh, oh, no, but- you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, no, and um, <laughs> I didn't want to sound like a nerd to the to the people that I went with. So that the people who I went with don't know that I had seen it twice. Um, and because I didn't want them to be like, you saw it without me. And then I also didn't want to feel like a nerd who went to the movies to see it twice. But um each time I watch it, especially now that um, I have Disney Plus and I can watch it on demand whenever I feel like it, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely get something different from it each time. So it was awesome. The only hard part for me, I think, no, there were two parts. Um, hard part, for, hardest part though was when he first walked onto the ancestral plane mm-hmm. after the first challenge, and he had on yes. the all white, and yeah. I was like, oh, "This is how he's meeting Jesus right now." And then I came back from that. And then um, later on, once uh, he had shot down the first Wakandan uh, aircraft that was taking weapons to somewhere else in the world. Um, oh, yeah. He, he came out of it. He was like on field, And he yes. said, he lives. I said, he will live forever. <laughs> okay. Well, other than that, some other quotables for me, of course. Number one. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> yes. Wakanda forever. <laughs> Aside from that, what are some of your other quotables? I have more, but I want you to go first. Okay. So my my quotable, and honestly, um, this was the only quotable I felt needed to be shared. And this is actually from the post credit scene. Um, and this is when mm. T'Challa is addressing the United Nations. Um, and... It stood out for me because of what is what he was saying. So mm-hmm. he says, Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. And we will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. And that stood out to me. Yes, right? That that ends credit, that post-credit um, stood out to me and, may, and helped me realize why uh, this film was labeled as like a, the most political film of its time, especially at the timing of... Um, at the timing of when the the movie came out, because a lot of that was like Trump's rhetoric uh, regarding, you know, building the the walls for like Mexico and the United States. And so um, a lot of people felt like it was a dig at Trump. However, I feel like this, it still is relevant for what we're going through right now, besides just the walls, right? We have so much division in our country right now. And I mean, 
this if this is a political movie, this has so much of a statement even now, right before we're getting ready to go into the elections. Um, so that's my one and only quotable. You went real deep on me, sister. I didn't know we was going there. We but went with there. that, yeah, with <laughs> that, shout out to Stan Lee because um, oh, all of his characters, yes, rest in peace to him as well. All of his characters lend so much and he was so smart in the way that he wrote his comic books because so much of his did have so much social commentary within them. Um, and shout out to all of my uh, fellow Black nerds who know a little bit, if not a lot of bit, about comic <laughs> books before the Marvel movie started coming out mm-hmm. and really knowing like how much of our stories he was willing to tell back in the time when it wasn't popular. So mm-hmm. shout out to him and Marvel for um, for mm-hmm. that. My quotables are a lot more silly um, <laughs> because I'm a goofball. Um <laughs> I think one of mine uh, was when they brought back Agent Ross and she said, oh, look, another broken white boy for us to fix. This would be fun. <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute, Sherry. Uh, how many broken white men have just <laughs> been placed Ooh. in your lab? <laughs> so it turns out, oh, man. Um, like little dolls. Turns, fix my dolls, Sherry. <laughs> yeah, I know. The white man um, that she's referring to um, is the... They call him the lone wolf in the actual or the white wolf. The white wolf. In the comic book. And Mm -hmm. so, so you, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. They, at the end, and like, if you watch all the way to like the last, last credits, Mm -hmm. they hinted to um, that white man who she had fixed, who in the, in the storybook though, he was supposed to be biracial. And at the end of this movie, he just looked white. So it was Bucky. Um, right? Is it Bucky? Buck? I don't know White Wolf real that. I told you, I, I know a little bit. No, because he's... I don't know uh, a little bit, but I know it was White Wolf. Because he's, um, uh, what you call it? He is, uh, he's, um, yeah, it is Bucky. Uh, Bucky Barnes. He's a part of... The... <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was right. He's a part Bucky of the Barnes. Avengers. Bucky Barnes. Marvel, he's part of uh, Marvel Avengers. And so uh, she she's referring to him being another uh, white boy we fix. And I, I was like, oh, snap, I get it now. Mm-hmm, I get the inside mm-hmm. joke. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but yes, and then also when um, Ubaku was like, if you say another word, I will oh. feed you to my children. One more word and I will feed you to my children. So then he just started, He girl, he was cracking himself up. We are vegetarians. I'm kidding. We are vegetarians. he tickled himself he was cracking up okay oh my god yes he he, i don't know his energy his vibe i just loved him because he was with the shit (laughs) (laughs) what is this sound (laughs) 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 obnoxious which is what I love about him. I think I just love obnoxious people. It's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know that I have referenced several times on this show, um, across episodes, all of the different um, 
supporting actors and lead actors that I've had crushes on throughout the years. <laughs> um, but I do not know. I am not sure. I am not certain if our listeners know that uh, Michael B. Jordan is and will be my future husband. Um, it's well. like it's like a whole thing. Um, if you have ever seen my social media page, you know that I have a shirt that is just covered in his face because one year I told one of my work friends, um, she said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, Michael B. Jordan. So she got me a shirt covered in his face because I just, I just love him. (gasps) She's like, I can't get you the man, but I can get you the man. I am going to make it happen. Okay. She she was our social worker. Social workers make it happen. Shout out to all the social workers in the world. Um, I I like what um, he's first coming into and like, you know, uh, Angela Bassett is just shading him and he's like, hey, Hey, auntie. Oh, I love that. He had a couple. Yeah, he had like, hey, cousin. Bye, uncle. I'll take you too, Uncle James. Okay. But he had the respect. such an American name. Uncle James. (laughs) Uncle James. His real name was Zuri, Uncle James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when he uh, was when he had the upper hand on um, T'Challa, this is uh, this is for you, cousin. And mm-hmm. when T'Challa mm-hmm. got him, huh, hell of a move! Like he was cracking me up, Loki. I really right. liked him. Um, and then when he choked the 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 older lady, talking about uh, when I say something, I mean that shit. I was like, okay, mean that shit, babe. All right. Ooh, I'm sorry. It was just really hard for me to see him as a villain because it's hard for you me just to see the man him. I love. That and I understood his plight as a Black American. Mm-hmm. I, I could understand his positionality. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that Chadwick said in one of his um, interviews when they were like doing their press tours is that there is no mm-hmm. real villain in this movie. Mm-hmm. And so that really stuck out to me. And then, of course, the most famous um, thing that my husband... Um, Killmonger, Eric Killmonger, also known as Michael B. Jordan, said, um, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the mm. ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage. Mm. Then he took the knife out himself. He just... Right. <sighs> Gangster. Mm. Wow. Like uh, Bishop said from our earlier episodes, you gotta go out, that's how you go out. The motherfucker took his death to the end his own... <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it all connects. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as we said, we are talking about the wonderful Marvel movie Black Panther that is based on basically millions of years ago. A comet of vibranium hit Africa. Uh, the five tribes that inhabited that land. Um, Called, then called it Wakanda, and the Black Panther was the protector of Wakanda. Um, and then we now have people who are challenging the throne. Uh, vibranium has been stolen. Things are going awry. And the movie ensues. Did you enjoy watching it again? I did. I did enjoy watching it again. And of course, um, I was trying to see like how many of the characters I could diagnose, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, do you go through and diagnose the entire movie or do you just diagnose the the main characters in this sense? And um, it was hard. It was hard to diagnose everyone else because it was so much information given to us for T'Challa and Killmonger. So mm-hmm. 
um, my focus this time was really like what they were saying, their behaviors, um, and realizing that T'Challa uh, witnessed his father and was actually a part of the explosion that killed his father. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that gave me another context to how he felt being able to go into being able to to be king. Um, and it wasn't that he didn't feel like he was prepared. He just felt like he didn't want to do it without him because mm-hmm. he missed him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, you know, of course, little things that I picked up on um, more so now than I did before when I first watched it. But I, I enjoyed it. I Like I said, I got chills all over again as if it was the first time I sat in a movie theater watching it. Um, and I get so happy. I get so excited. And I, I think it's when... Um, when they actually are pulling up into Wakanda, uh, mm-hmm. coming back. And um, she says, welcome to Wakanda. Welcome home. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. I want to go to a home like that. Right. I, or I would like to know where home might be. Right. 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 It would be nice. Pride, the amount of pride they had, you know, I was just like, wow. This movie was just so dope on so many levels. It helped me understand Nigerians a little bit better because you know how prideful Nigerians are and mm-hmm. how like they feel like they are just God's creation. They're the gift that God blessed the world with. And I, <laughs> I was like, this is why they feel that way. Like Wakanda, that Wakanda is Nigeria for them. They have, they're able to have that pride. They're able to have that something to go back to that they feel is beautiful. They're able to share amongst like-minded people um, in more of a cultural and ancestral way. And mm-hmm. I get it now. Um, I, one thing I did wonder though, is like with all of the the juxtaposition between T'Challa um, his idea of ruling and Wakanda's position in the world with Killmonger's position. Um, I wonder if that is how children of immigrants, so like true African-American, like the first generation um, African people feel here here in America. Like, do they have that internal battle? Um, does that exist within them? Because they have that, like, you have to protect home and everything, uh, Western and European is evil. So you got to protect against that with the same thing of, but there are so many of us that are suffering. Do we learn from that? En- like, how do we learn from that enemy without becoming the enemy? Like, um, mm-hmm. T'Challa, T'Challa told Killmonger at the end, he, uh, mm-hmm. he, Killmonger was like, I learned from my enemy. And he was like, no, you became him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that is, because we never get... African context in true, like, without the interpretation of white gaze. Mm -hmm. So it was just really nice to have that conversation between African people and Black people. Granted, it's a superhero movie, so (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. the conversation only goes so deep. But still, like, just to have that opportunity uh, to look at the two, I don't feel like we get that enough. Right, right. I've had conversations with a few of my of my African friends, and um, there there's a a lot of them that feel um, 
Black people, especially here in America, should be more advanced in our education, our wealth, our just our overall standing um, within the economy. And um, I think it took them actually learning the like actual American history and the um, and learning how the system is oppressive mm-hmm. in in a mm-hmm. in a way that it makes it almost virtually impossible to to overcome these things to get to a to what to that one percent right collectivist collectivistically right right and so because there are few of us that can but as can. a culture it is very difficult yeah and then what ends up happening is then when you get to that one per, when you almost I feel like those who do end up coming to that one percent tend to go on to the other side. Uh, and and tend to forget where they come from, or there's this disassociation, and it happens when mm-hmm. when there's more money, there's more power. And so there was a study that showed where people who were playing a monopoly game were given the advantage of being able to have two dies instead of one die, or being able to have, um, you know, two hundred dollars versus one hundred dollars. Obviously, the person with the two dies and the two hundred dollars is going to be the winner. And once they realize that they're winning the game, their power started to show, and their mm-hmm. attitudes and behaviors changed. Where they didn't care about the person with the lesser amount. You know, they mm-hmm. were worried. They were more concerned about winning and dominating the game. And mm-hmm. I think the same thing happens to some of us when we get to a position of of wealth and power we want to dominate the game and we we don't necessarily care about the if you will the underdog and the ones who do get either assassinated they have their character mm-hmm. attacked and so that they end mm-hmm. up losing the opportunity that they had that got them to where they were going um mm-hmm. eh. yeah i know fuck these it's- colonizers i know colonizers <laughs> the moral of the movie <laughs> right right and it does it does kind of get you kind of thinking um at times like man what if there was real vibranium okay so then let me ask you this do you feel like are you T'Challa or are you not T'Challa all the way to his extreme and not Killmonger all the way to his extreme but do you feel mm-hmm. like it would need to be hidden and protected or do you feel like it should be uh used as a tool to aid I am the I am the T'Challa at the end. That ending credit is mm-hmm. where I am with 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 T'Challa. Where I feel like the conversation, the experience with Killmonger is what helped him realize the importance of what they really have. Like, yes, it is what like your society like runs off of. You know, mm-hmm. like it is their fuel, literally, um, right? But you know. To, to Killmonger's point of using it to make sure that, you know, other cultures that are of African or, you know, Black descent, mm-hmm. if, if that's even a thing, um, mm-hmm. to be able to have access to it because we are being slaughtered by white men. Literally. And that, that to me is what, is what is frustrating because like how we had vibranium in our and sold in our clothes we we don't have to be afraid of being shot down by the police we just let that shit bounce. i feel like 
at this point, I, I feel like it's more realistic for me to have vibranium sewn into my clothes than it is for white people to stop being evil. Racist white people to stop being evil. I'm just saying that. It... I feel like it's, it's more attainable almost because at, at this point, like with the state of the country and we're seeing how people feel people feeling real bold again to mm. just be evil in its, in its, in its, in its ugliest sense. Um, I don't know how you change that. I feel like it's easier to have wow. a myth- mythological uh, comet hit Earth <laughs> right now with a with a magical metal that will <laughs> that can protect us than it is for some of these people to really show humanity. As well, and then to ch- to the earlier version of T'Challa who was wanting to protect it, mm-hmm. I see his point where it's like okay. Black people are sewing this vibranium into their clothes and we can't shoot them dead. We need it so that we can create weapons to still destroy them. So either way, it was like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's going to end up in someone's hands. The same thing is like the the case of of having guns, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, guns in the right hand can protect people. It can, you know... It can be used for hunting. Yep, those are great things that guns can be used for. But it can also be used uh, for for trade, for children and women on the sex trafficking market. It can be used, you know, to kill innocent Black people in their homes. This, I mean, so it's like, yes, it's a great thing to have. But then it's like in the wrong hands, it can kill millions of people. Hmm. And I think, too, that at the beginning of the movie, T'Challa was really he was he hadn't taken his own position yet. He was still in his development of what a king is. And he was kind of like, uh, I don't know why for a second it made me think about like his development and his father. He basically was trying to do following the footsteps of his father. And it made me think, remember when uh, Bufasa had the big footprint and December tried to step his little footprint into it? It made me think about that at first because he was really just doing and trying to be a good king like his father was. And But then he realized uh, that but his father had made bad choices and wasn't doing everything right. And he couldn't continue to be a king in the way that his ancestors had been. And that's why when um, they were calling him home, he was like, no, I can't stay here with y'all. I got to go fight and I got to go help my people. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's also a little bit of foreshadowing when his father told him that basically you're a good man and it's hard for a good man to be king. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for good, it's, it's hard for good men and women to be leaders. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, I take it back to this political place where we are in our society, because this, again, it was rated the most political movie from, from uh, Marvel. And it makes sense because a lot of these, um, these sayings and the, you know, these things apply so much to our political system that while we do have some good people who have good intentions in office, they tend to have to, they end up having to go into a corrupt system. So they're good and compromise their values. Exactly. And so I get so sad for, for some politicians, especially Lori Lightfoot, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot here, where it's like, this woman is trying her best to make sure that she's doing what she can for black people. Not everything that black people want and need 
are going to come out of out of her her being in office. And I, I know it's a sad thing or a harsh realization for a lot of people, but it's like there's still a white agenda. And I'm just happy yes. to have a black person that has a seat at the table at this point. And for me, mm-hmm. honestly, I think it's more it's time for more black people, black and brown people to have seats at this table and for young people to have seats at this table now because something needs to change. I definitely agree with you. I think we expect uh, whenever we get our one, we expect them to fix everything that is wrong with our uh, with black society or all of the things that have been used to oppress us. And that's not fair. Um, Right. And they right. can't do their job and do that all at the same. Like it's 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 right. nearly impossible. We are talking about centuries of systemic oppression, and you want this one person to fix it within their short term of whatever position they are in by themselves. Um, so it's just important for all of us to um, continue to be empowered, continue to find ways to, like you said, have that seat at the table, support those who are in positions, so that mm-hmm. um, we can get more things done at and um some I did, I have a friend who says um she feels like we're spreading ourselves too thin right now and that we need to kind of narrow what it is that we want so that we can get more stuff done. Um sometimes I can I can agree with that but sometimes I'm like it's just so much. We need everybody fighting on everybody on every front and yeah. we can chip away at things as we get there. But um yeah. I think the biggest thing is that we have to go out and vote. And I'm talking to myself. So one of the things that I've learned recently was that um, even as a, as a doctor, like a doctor, you know, in, in, in counseling education, I don't have an understanding of our political system. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. We learn about it, but for some reason, it's like it just fades into the background. Like, I'm just like, I, I feel like we talked about this in economics and, you know, those classes that we fell asleep in because they made us watch. Did they do an episode of Schoolhouse Rock on this? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They really did. I remember this song. I'm dressed up a bill. And I'm like, yeah, what's a bill? <laughs> you know, but like really understanding that our votes start in our state. And realizing that the people within our state, we have so much more control and so much more um, rights than we actually use, you know. Um, And I think a part of it is because we've just kind of been, I I use it like dumbed down um, in a sense where we, we, we think that the person, the only person that we should care about voting into office is the president, where we forget that there are besides the mayor and governor, that there are other political figures. Um, The Umberson person um, is a person that can help with your local laws and your, you know, finding funding. Those judges and DAs. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Like those are the people that can help you find, you know, disperse the funding more equally, you know, where it's not going all to a police station where you can have it go to, uh, you know, your local boys and girls club or YMCA or whatever, you know, you want that funding to, to look like we have the ability as communities to do that, but we have been beat down (laughs) and beat up and, and told not to be concerned about these things. Um, and I'm just learning so much more as far as like what it means to have the right to vote and that really um, there's nowhere in our constitution that says that we have a right to vote. 
you know? Um, and so there's just, it's just so much <laughs> to this system. And you really, I, I'm really encouraging you all, of course, to vote for this election, but to also like really go back and read <laughs> your economics textbooks. Take it from under your kitchen table leg. That is <laughs> if you don't listeners, if you don't have the book, it's okay. We but we'll what Google we are it. saying is that you do have access to information that your local yes. elections are very important. Um yes. and to to be it is our civic duty to uh be responsible for our communities. And the more that we do that, the more that we can um create our own or things at, at least things that are made with us in mind. Things yes. that aren't made to literally kill us. Um, right. Shout out to that uh, that group of families that bought the land uh, east of Macon in rural Wilkinson County, Georgia, um, mm. so that they are making a town that is safe for Black people. So hopefully, maybe here soon, we can have our own Wakanda. Um, oh, that'd be lovely. That It would. But we do have to get back to the film. Um, I'm sorry. I, I sure did get on my little platform. I'm coming it down. It needed to happen. No, it Go needed vote. to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, as much as I would like to see our uh, leaders um, have the power of the Black Panther straight away and fight to the death in order to see who will be the leader, um, that doesn't <laughs> happen for us. And so we have a democracy. So you have to go vote. Um, and speaking of being straight away, Oris Whitaker's accent was terrible. Oh. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, but Chadwick's was amazing. It was. And like, uh, he did a, a Breakfast Club interview where he talked about how he landed on, uh, well, the accent that he had and how he took into account different uh, regional dialects of Africa and how he wanted to child it a sound. And I said, you know what? That's why, that's why you was making the big bucks, brother. You mm-hmm. took this seriously. I think it's seriously an art. It mm-hmm. is like it is not something easy, especially when you're having to add on um, that layer of, of having an accent and then the cultural aspect of it too. You know, speaking the language um, is also something that that is a skill and talent and art. You know, to do that. Dope. A true artiste in its finest sense. The outfits, the the costume design oh, was so amazing. Was, I want all of them. I want all that. I want Queen Mada's hat. Girl, yes. I want all the all of her crowns. They were all beautiful. Yes. And then, of course, I just love that mask that Killmonger stole. Yes. I want that in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to wear it around the house. I mean, you know, when we get, when I marry Michael B. Jordan, I'm sure like he has oh. a replica. So I, I'll b- invite you over and, you know, you could wear it for game night, you know. Oh, oh. okay. That, that, that. Don't, don't, talk- don't you, don't, don't you do me. Don't mm-hmm. you do it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So. <laughs> 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 moving right along um i feel that this is completely random and i guess eventually we will get to diagnosis i just need to say this um and i want everyone to appreciate it as much as i do lapita nuango has the best legs in the game her legs when she took off that shoe and beat the man in the face with it i was like oh my gosh look at her calf muscles <laughs> hashtag goals <laughs> i started doing calf races right right then <laughs> like i did you Gotta get it right. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I can't say nothing. I started doing push-ups after I saw Angela Bassett's shoulders. So mm-hmm. <laughs> them, them things, they be. And we're rolling, rolling. <laughs> yeah, I know which shoulders I'm talking about. The, the Tina Turner shoulders. <laughs> On a future episode of Diagnosis Sick Hospital. Okay, we got to talk about her. Yeah. And her shoulders. <laughs> okay, so was there anything else that we needed to discuss just an appreciation of the movie before we start into diagnosing? Because I know we're going to talk more about the movie as we diagnose. But yeah, let's get into the diagnosing. Anything you just want to highlight? Okay, well, we into yeah. the diagnosing. Who would you like to start with, Dr. Rosie? Well, of course, I want to start with T'Challa. Let's go. Okay, so I'm thinking acute stress disorder. So that's PTSD, a, a form of PTSD. Um, I say that because of the timing of his father's death and then going into um, being king, I would diagnose him uh, with general anxiety disorder. He didn't seem anxious about um, the king, like being king. He seemed more anxious about making the right decisions, especially Mm -hmm. because, I mean, he's being faced with so much. I mean, we had a family secret that is um, unrevealed. Uh, revealed, un- unrevealed. Unveiled, I think Unveiled is what you were going what for. I was trying to say. <laughs> Get it together, girl. So, um, <laughs> I got you. Pull the alley So, I think that with all of what he was dealing with um, was just like getting into this new position in his life because a part of me feels like this isn't the first time that the kingdom has been threatened. This isn't the first time mm. T'Challa has had to fight. This isn't, you know, so this isn't new to him, but I do feel like it's a general anxiety disorder and acute stress disorder, if I will. This is one, like, I, is this the first time where we just like completely agree? The only thing that I wow. did not, yes, I also said uh, generalized anxiety disorder, uh, mm-hmm. more just because I felt like he was really, he felt very pressured um, and desired to do things the right way. And I yes. felt that that was kind of like controlled his thinking. He uh, was constantly like making sure that he was trying to be a good king. He just wanted to do everything the, the um, <clears throat> in a way that he was protecting Wakanda and protecting all of those people around him. Um, the only thing about uh, acute stress disorder, though, is that they don't let you do it if you are if it along with the bereavement. Right. Am I wrong? Let me be take wrong. a look. Well, um, it depends on which one are we. Okay, so you're saying acute distress disorder cannot be like, yeah, isn't there something about um, something about bereavement in there? Like, you, it's, it's not to be used if the client is if it's a better fit under bereavement, even though bereavement is technically not a um, diagnosable disorder and it's very difficult to code if you are seeing somebody who is um, is hard to get it reimbursed if you're seeing somebody just who experienced in the loss of uh someone and they're having a time, hard time coping with it because you cannot uh diagnose or get billed for just bereavement unfortunately so if you have that uh if you are seeing somebody a professional for just that they may have to give you a separate something that they submit to insurance purposes 
or for insurance purposes because they can't just diagnose bereavement and then get paid for it. And they got to make their money. Yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing anything. We'll pay you off. Let's just make it easy. (laughs) Okay, I'm on 280 or 281. And so when I'm looking at like the diagnostic criteria, because of course I just took the easy way out and I just like (laughs) use the diagnostic criteria. Um, So directly experiencing the traumatic event. So obviously being involved in the actual um, bombing, witnessing in person the event, um, learning that the events occurred to a close family member, experienced repeated or extreme exposure to adverse details of the traumatic events. And as much, what, what was my guy named? Raha. <laughs> Mbaku. <laughs> Mbaku. <laughs> What's Raha's name? Mbaku. <laughs> Mbaku, definitely, you could tell that that was something, um, it, it was a moment where he had to be reminded You know what? I think you are completely correct. I think I am wrong and I am confusing it with adjustment disorder. Yes. So it and then some people can see uh, adjustment disorder can be a symptom of PTSD as well. Um, Right. Because in um, adjustment mm -hmm. disorder, it says a more specific set of bereavement related symptoms um, has been designated for persistent complex bereavement disorder. And so okay. I'm thinking of that alongside adjustment and not your acute stre- distress. So I am in okay. complete agreement with you about your full diagnosis for T'Challa, ma'am. Yay! Finally! <laughs> it's so interesting because it's like, as a, I'm in academia, so, you know, I'm not really practicing right now. I'm doing a little sham-sham. They're stressing me out. But I'm doing a little sham-sham, a little On the counseling. Side on the side but um you know I I it makes me think like the difference between actually academia and practice I talk about that a lot with my students that what we teach in textbook isn't necessarily what goes into <laughs> application when you're practicing it sounds good but in theory doesn't always apply no, but I think I think you are completely correct, ma'am. And that was my bad for confusing the two. But I am complete agreeance with you. Um, and with the generalized anxiety disorder, uh, his constant desire for uh, being a good king caused some of that restlessness, feeling keyed up mm-hmm. or on edge. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we talk about the difficulty concentrating or the mind going blank. That made me think about, I don't know if that was related to this or just because Lupita was fine. But at the beginning of the movie, when they kept oh. talking, don't freeze, don't freeze, he froze. It was like a antelope in headlights. <laughs> I don't freeze. Yo, uh, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, him and Lapita, um, no, that is not her name. We're going to call it her is- by her name. Oh, Nikita. Uh, Nikia. Nikia. I was still saying it wrong. Nikia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had their little thing. They 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 had their little their little love thing going. A so thing going on. So did. So as soon as he saw, he was like, ooh, baby. Oh, that's and what he, he said. That's what he said. He was like, ooh, baby, look at them legs. And he froze. Mm. He froze. Like um, an antelope and headlights. <laughs> what else do you have to for T'Challa? Or is that are we that good? was it? That was okay. it. Who so moving on to, uh, well, first, I think we have somewhere where we might disagree. Let's go with Claw. Remember, we are equal opportunity uh, <laughs> diagnosing body. Anyone can get these diagnoses. 
So let's go. Claw, what'd you think? <laughs> so my first instinct was for him to be a kleptomanic, kleptomanic, um, or kleptomania. Because he's he's stealing um around the world. Around the world. That's what he does. He takes and I mean, similar to colonizers, he himself <laughs> took just like everyone else. And it turns out that his father was actually a part of a neo-Nazi group. Not even Neo, the originals. The originals, the Nazis. Yes, the, Nazis. the OG, yes, triple OGs. The OGs. Um, <laughs> that's where his family's from. So it doesn't, it's not surprising to me that he steals from culture to culture, uh, from culture to culture. Um, but with, kleptoman- with kleptomania, it doesn't apply because he, um, he doesn't have um, the need to, to, to really do it. He doesn't really get that much gratification out of it. He just we he just don't takes. know if he's compulsed. He might be compulsed to do it. I they don't didn't feel like say I that, that, but I, I guess we can't we can't just make stuff up, huh? <laughs> right. But I also I just really don't feel like I I get that from him. Um, okay. So I couldn't I couldn't do that. Um, I would put him under some type of behavioral disorder. I don't know. What do you have? I, I didn't really. Give Claw because I don't know much about Claw. Right. Um, And so this is just my guessings from the little bit that I know from the comic books coupled with, even though the movie is very different from um, the comic books, they did take some key things from it, but uh, it is very different. But just looking at Claw's uh, previous storyline, along with what we know about him now, I would say that he, I would diagnose him as bipolar one in a current manic episode. I just, I just want him to be bipolar. He, he, that is mania. Child, that is mania. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it is. Um, (laughs) So some of the criteria are a distinct period of abnormally and persistently elevated, expansive or irritable mood and abnormally persistently increasing goal-directed activity or energy lasting at least one week, present most of the day, nearly every day. And then some of the other um, things that are present to a significant degree could be inflated self-esteem or grandiosity, uh, more talkative than usual or pressure to keep talking, flight of ideas or a subjective experience that thoughts are racing, which (laughs) a lot of this is drawn just from the time when he was chained to that chair because you go from laughing to baby, don't hurt hurt me. me. (laughs) Don't hurt me. No more. No more. <laughs> what is love? I, like, I, I do like him. I do like him as a character. Like, I really, I don't know why I always enjoy the villains so much, especially when they're funny. <laughs> yes, he was hilarious. Um, as well as excessive involvement in activities that have a high potential for painful consequences. Um, I mean, stealing from Black Panther has a high potential for pain and negative consequences. Okay, so I have one. I have two. I have two mm-hmm. to combat. Okay. So I'm thinking general general personality disorder. Mm, I have thoughts about that, but keep going. Or borderline personality disorder. I'll give you borderline. Okay, so when I say generalized personality, general personality disorder, to our listeners, that is an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that uh, deviates markedly from the expectation of the individual's culture. This pattern is manifest in two or more of the following areas. One is cognition. 
ways of perceiving and interpreting self, other people, and events. Affectivity, um, the range, intensity, and liability and appropriateness of emotion, emotional response, interpersonal functioning, and impulse control. Um, and so I think about that as far as cognition and, inter- and perceiving and interpreting self, um, his interpretation of vibranium not being um, something that the Wakanda people are worthy of having. Um, and then he the did impulse- say you savages didn't deserve mm-hmm. it. Uh-huh. And then um, the range Bad. of intensity and liability. So the affectivity, um, the r- emotional response, he, he just... He, he, in the face of being attacked, he blows up an ATM or whatever money bag was in, in the, in that chat. Oh, he said I that, made it rain. He made it rain. <laughs> right. So he's like, I literally made it rain. And then <laughs> well, it's so cool. It was so cool. Um, so that moment, obviously most people would be like, fuck that. I need to get out of here. My life is in danger. He talked about making it rain. You know, he found he found pleasure in that chaos. Um, And then the impulse control, the the inability to control his impulses to take from other cultures. Um, Okay, so can I say why I why you didn't do it? Okay, why? Because of the cultural aspect. It's inconsistent with cultural, um, I think, norms or something along those lines. And he grew up as a Nazi. So that's consistent with their culture. Well, then borderline personality disorder. All right. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners, it is a persuasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image, affects, and marked impulsivity beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by the five or more. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but for the first three um, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment, so in my mind, uh, this is a generalization. I'm assuming that because he comes from a Nazi family that he was abandoned. That's not necessarily the <laughs> okay. case. They may hate other people, but they may love their, their family unit. So I don't know too much to really put that His on there. His father did send him away to go be a spy, though, so that he could potentially yes. be missing the warmth that was needed mm-hmm. during that time when he had to go infiltrate to get secrets. Yeah, and we don't know the relationship between he and his mother at this time. So that's something also to consider. Uh, and a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternate alternating between extremes of idealization and de-evaluation. So I see that again with the people, with the Wakanda people. So you can idolize the things that we can create, the fact that we have this vibranium, but then you... Um, devalue um, us as people and feeling that we're too savage to be able to to have it. So those are just a few um, reoccurring, well, no, reoccurring suicidal behaviors, gestures, or threats, self-mutilating behavior. We don't know how he actually became the claw, do we? Mm. Did he cut his hand off? Black Panther cut his hand off. Mm. In the comic book, not in the movie, but in the comic book. I thought that's what happened. I could be wrong, though. Child, it's been a while. Girl, I don't know. He could fit a few of these. I don't know if he was necessarily suicidal, but I think that inappropriate, intense anger and difficulty controlling anger might be the case for him too. Yes. So now now I don't know. I'm between bipolar and borderline. I'm going to stick with borderline. I'll go with you then. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining okay. us. So um, 
Killmonger. Oh. I have okay, so I have first. several. No, I have several. Oh, so, so I need to go first because oh, I only have one. Ahead. Oh, well, go ahead. We'll see if it matches. Go ahead. Okay. I have intermittent explosive disorder and PTSD. Let me look. Okay. I get where you're going. That's two, but okay. Uh, oh, yes, that is two. Um, <laughs> first of all, don't come for me. Uh, um, so intermittent, uh, I need to find my page. So while I'm looking for my page to describe intermittent explosive disorder, do you want to talk about yours? Sure. Don't mind if I do. Um, I have some that I bounced around between um, and then two that I kind of am, am still torn between. I wanted you to work it out with you. Um, I refuse to diagnose them with conduct disorder. I just, I refuse. I think that in the uh, oppressive system that we exist in, he would more than likely be diagnosed along the sort of something like that. But I refuse because so much of his... Re, his trauma response is all trauma related. Like he found his father's dead body. Um, and so that is really what drives all of the negative behaviors and um, even antisocial behaviors that we are seeing presented from him. Um, so I bounced between the generalized personality disorder, which you just described for CLAW, and the disruptive mood deregulation disorder. I knew I was going to mess that word up, but I didn't do it as bad as I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) So for uh, the disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, there we go, much better. That includes severe recurrent temper outbursts manifested verbally and behaviorally that are grossly out of proportion. Um, The temper outbursts are are inconsistent with developmental level. They occur uh, multiple times throughout the week persistently irritable or angry um, for more than 12 months and in multiple settings. Yes. Okay. All right. So my intermittent explosive disorder, talk about struggling with a word. (laughs) Uh, Intermittent. I want to pronounce all the T's. Um, (laughs) So their description or diagnosis criteria says recurrent behavior outbursts representing a failure to control aggressive compulsive impulses as manifested by either of the following verbal aggression um, and that's temper tantrum tirades verbal arguments or fights um, and then uh, the magnitude of aggressiveness um, and that makes me think about how he choked that that woman who was tending mm-hmm. to the vibranium field. When I say something, her, I mean that shit. Right, exactly. And her feet were all the way off the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, Which is funny because he's not really that tall. <laughs> right, like, we know y'all knew that. Maybe she was short. <laughs> nah, he definitely, that was made up. <laughs> um, the reoccurring aggressive outbursts are not better explained by another mental disorder. So I I don't know. Like and now that you bring this up, I think that this these types of disruptive and impulse control or conduct disorders are usually labeled on black boys mm-hmm. um, who yep. may have other mental health disorders that may not have been otherwise known. So when I'm reading that, I um, often think that these disorders are the symptoms of a larger problem as opposed to the actual problem. Yeah, it, I hate to say this, 
Oh man. But if it, if, if it were of a person from a different race, um, maybe I, I would, I would consider it a little bit more, but now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, maybe I agree with you. And so I'm thinking um, now that we've talked and you outlined general personality disorder so well, I'm thinking that's what I'm leaning towards more for um, Kill- Eric Killmonger is the general personality disorder. What do you think? Mm, general, I can see that. Um, so with the onset of, of trauma or traumatic event? Um, I think theirs was just either adolescence or childhood. I could be wrong. Let me see. It doesn't necessarily describe an uh, a an onset, but personality disorders we know we can't fully diagnose until that person is at least eighteen years of age. Anyway, so um, mm. but it, he talked about how he it was all leading up so that he could kill T'Challa. He said, "I I, I trained, I lied, I killed." Off, off to get here. Also, I could do this. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the general personality disorder. And then yeah. can I tell you one that we didn't talk about before? What? But I thought about real heavily. What? And so I almost, almost, almost. And now even as I continue to think about it, I still am considering it. Um, okay. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> thinking about uh, diagnosing... Okoye, she was the the general. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me. And I thought about um, I thought about diagnosing her as obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Mm. Okay, and do tell. I say that because it is uh, a pervasive pattern or preoccupation with orderliness, perfectionism, and mental inter- interpersonal control at the expense of flexibility, openness, and efficiency, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts, um, preoccupied with details, rules, lists, order, organization, or schedules, uh, shows perfectionism that uh, can potentially interfere with tasks, exceedingly devoted to work and productivity to the exclusion of leisure activities and friendships. She, he said, would you kill me, my love? She said, for Wakanda? Yes. Nigga, please. I mean, she didn't really say that, but in my mind. Okay. Um, Is overconscientious, scrupulous, and inflexible about matters of morality, ethics, or or values. Um, And that's kind of what I got from that conversation that her and Nakia had before Nakia took... um, the rest of the family yes. to uh-huh. M'Baku and them crib. Um, but what I think is holding me up is that it says not accounted for by cultural or religious identification. And I'm feeling like mm-hmm. a part of the Wakanda culture is like that she had a role that she had to fill um, in her yeah. position. Uh, and sometimes I feel like all of us as Black women, we get caught up in the roles that we have to fill and we can't deviate from whatever that role is, regardless of what's happening around me, um, sometimes to our detriment. Uh, And so I'm trying to take culture into consideration. uh, So that's why I did not. But if we if we take culture out of it and just look at it as she was allowing her job to control the decisions that she made and that were affecting her interpersonal relationships as well. I would diagnose her with uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. But I want to hear your thoughts. 
Well, it's hard because we're like, we're talking about a trained warrior, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when you think about the military service, the reason why, well, I wouldn't say the reason why, they start with boot camp to strip the person of their identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so to get you to your point of, of just being almost like nothing and then building mm-hmm. you to be the soldier and in this sense, the warrior they need you to be. And then we have to think also, I think we, we, can't, we can't remove culture because mm-hmm. um, we have to think, okay, is this generational? Is this something that like, like mm. is, you know, how many Ooh, generations Rosie, before yes. her <laughs> has, you know, this same responsibility been a warrior, right. and had been a warrior. So there is a little bit more of pride and a, a little bit more of a sense of self in identifying as a warrior. And yes, I will kill you because I am a warrior. It's literally who I am. <laughs> it's who I am. So if I have to kill you, I will kill you. You know, um, and without question, without question that. Right. And so it's like when when I think about that, is there something in my life right now that I'm like, I have to kill Evan? And (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say that. Let's okay. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'll never kill you. I just want you to know I I never, never, ever kill you. But (laughs) but if you had to. But, but if I had to, before without Wakanda, question, no, I wouldn't kill him. <laughs> I wouldn't kill him. Still couldn't do it. I still couldn't <laughs> do it. I because that's not the mind frame that I'm thinking. Like you know, I wasn't raised like that. I want to love. I want you know. I don't know if I, I could be- kill, but I was raised like off of heat. You got to be able to anything you love. You got to be able to walk away in ten seconds. I could walk away forever. But could I kill you? I just not a killer. No, I'm. Yeah, I would definitely walk away. It will, it will <laughs> hurt never, me. Not a fighter. Exactly, but I don't know if I could kill. I'd be like, I'd be like, babe, play dead. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. dead. <laughs> uh, and I'd be like, blood, blood, gush, gush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I still would have to keep that culture piece in there, and so therefore, I could not diagnose her with that. All right, so then no diagnosis for Okoye. Uh, Claw, we are settling on borderline personality disorder. Uh, Killmonger, we are solid in our general personality disorder. And Black Panther, King T'Challa, son of T'Chaka, uh, we are going with generalized anxiety disorder as well as acute stress disorder. Um, time for prognosis. We made it all the way. So, well, Claw has no prognosis because that nigga he did. <laughs> he did. So, so I think that that was also uh, him, his, uh, Eric Killmonger bringing Claw's body to the nigga that played Get Out, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Wakabi, Wakobi, Wakobi, whatever, whichever, uh, them, him. He don't matter. So he yeah, Get Out, he brought it to the Get Out nigga. That was his way in. Um, I think that Wakabi's trust was lost or his uh, his faith was broken in Black Panther when he did not bring claw back and so he was really he was really hurt by that he said like he killed my parents I've been waiting for this for all of these years with your father and he did not deliver I really had hope for you and he really um damaged him by not bringing him back so I think that uh Killmonger bringing him was really his way in and I'm not sure how he knew to bring him to Bukabi, but he did and that was uh, how he got up in there 
He was a spy, so he knew how to get get information. Professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Okoye just doing great things and flourishing. I see uh, Nakia becoming queen and yes. continuing to lead outreach and hopefully saving all of us Black Americans from this foolishness that is white America uh, society as at large that continues to oppress and um, deliberately intentionally kill us every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I see Shuri. Shuri already in my mind is a genius. And so she's just going to continue to produce more incredible things. She's the one so, who came up with TikTok. Oh my gosh. That's I can't with you. <laughs> That's my theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so not only did she develop TikTok, but um, because we are going to be needing a new Black Panther in the comic book, Shuri does become Black Panthers for some amount of time. I think that with all the things that Disney is doing, especially with the women empowerment, how they how they have um, mm-hmm. the different female characters now, I think Shuri stepping into that role or putting on a suit at least uh, for a movie would be a very good look. I, I don't want them to try to replace Chadwick Boseman. I don't want them to put the dude that played his dad in his position. That's just confusing. Why would you do that? People have been suggesting that, even though they look creepily, eerily alike. Um, oh my God, yeah. Right, 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 oh right. Uh, and are completely from the different sides of the world. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely, I, I would like to see Shuri take on the role of Black Panther. Um, I agree. I think yeah. that would be great. Um, but one thing that, um, to Chadwick, said in an interview with E! News, um, mm-hmm. like like it's a credible source or whatever, but... It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a direct quote. I hope they wouldn't lie. <laughs> I hope, right? Because it's like, it's coming from him in the interview. Um, they said, he said that Black Panther was meant to be a standalone film. And so with that, and also just him having knowledge about his sickness and not sharing it, I wonder if, I think it would be okay to let it rest with no. him. No. I think no. I think so. I don't think we need to continue I do. with 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 him with Chadwick's uh, image in there. We can we can move on to another. And that's fine. That's Damn, fine. all that shit. No. Disney, I hope you are not listening. <laughs> But it, it the, gives the thoughts you, and ideas expressed by Dr. Rosie. No, 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 no. We must gives, continue on. It gives Shuri a, a real pathway to then go on and create series with her potentially. But I think that Black Panther with Chadwick is a standalone. It needs to be kept in a nice protective space. And we move on to the next to the next film. Brian Coogler, I hope you are not in agreement. Uh, you sure or Joe Robert Cole, I hope that you use your magnificent <laughs> writing ability. And as we continue with the prognosis, I hope that uh, if Killmonger does not come back, if we don't um, resuscitate what him. What he going to do? He going to put his head back on? Shh. He, his, his head is not off. He got stabbed in, in the in the lung. He, no. <laughs> to Eric. Uh, Killmonger brought his head. He threw the head on the ground. Remember? He threw the, the Did I head. say Claw come back? I didn't mean Claw. Did I say what I said? I thought that's what you said. 
I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I want if Eric <laughs> Killmonger, I want Killmonger if he potentially comes back. Um because in the comic book, there is Madam Slay, who is his real girlfriend. And so that's why Eric had no problem shooting that other little girl dead. He said, it's going to be okay. Boom. Uh, die, bitch. Because mm, uh, mm, we didn't really care about her. He has a real girlfriend named Madam Slay in the comic book. And I want them to bring her character into the Marvel Universe and let Tiana Taylor play her role. If you are watching and listening to the podcast right now, I want you to pause. I want you to Google Madam Slay and tell me that uh, Tiana Taylor does not need to play that role. She looks eerily like the character. She is an amazing actress. She would do a phenomenal job. She has the the body and the everything for it. Um, that is what we need to do. We need to bring back Madam Slay. We need to make Shuri Black Panther until uh, they they make Killmonger a little bit more humane and he potentially, if he can get his stuff together, um, come back into the Black Panther kingdom. He don't necessarily need to be Black Panther, but he can be a consultant. We can have him around. No, we don't Um, need him around. He changed. He was changing his tune as he was dying, but he was dying. So there was nothing (sighs) to do about it, but he was seeing the other side. So we can bring that back uh, T'Challa wanted to save him. He said, you know that we can save you. And he said, no, why? So that you can keep me locked up? No. So exactly. I just feel that he potentially can come back, bring Madam Slay, let Shuri be Black Panther. Prognosis. Well, I will say Tiana Taylor does have the mouthpiece similar to Madam Slay. The whole However, structure and everything. Yes. However, as far as the figure, honey, let me go ahead and audition for Madam Slay. I can do it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with an audition. Uh, Anyone can audition for the role. Uh, I certainly will. But if you all could see me, I got my lips poked, my waist. That's nice. That's nice. But um, you're... You're a buzzkill, whatever. I don't even care anymore. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I was ready and I thought I looked great and you didn't care. I did not say that you did not. I think that there are more other roles befitting of all Mm -hmm. of the talents, skills, ability, and beauty Mm -hmm. that you possess. And I just, Uh I think this character might not have the depth. Uh Uh-huh that you could bring to it. And I think that Tiana Taylor needs to go ahead and take that role. With all that being said, was there anything else that we needed to address about Black Panther? No, I just want y'all to really realize, like, it is our time to vote. You know what I'm saying? That this this system is way too divided. Our country is way too divided. And we need something to bring us back together. So hoping that this Black Panther film reminds you all just how important it is to to be involved in your in your politics. That's it. Okay, with that said, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can follow the support the show link on our website and become a Patreon member or donate on our Cash App at dollar sign the DSM podcast. Now we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we would rather get the kind that folds. And as always, be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts and leave us a comment because we're counselors and we actually care what you have to say. Until next time, peace. Okay, bye. Make sure you go vote now. Wakanda forever!